It's time again for the Scotty Johnny Podcast with your host, Scotty Johnny himself, John Barnett, and the ego himself, Cheddar Talk, Aaron Flottam, talking Wisconsin sports, NFL through D3, college hockey, doesn't matter. Two mics, two crusty vets, two opinions, one based in reality and one based in what do you bet on Twitter? With music by Delete Great Cars and Trucks. Here's John and Aaron. Welcome, welcome, one and all. Welcome into the Scotty Johnny Podcast. I am your not-so-humble host, Jonathan Barnett, and I don't have anybody with me as per usual this week. Um, it's not, I suppose, as per usual, but uh, this week, Aaron is out. He's he's camping up in Two Rivers area, so he, he's not with me, and I, I've reached out to several other people. It's a busy time of year. Uh, it's the summer. It is June, and we mostly have baseball to talk about. So I tried to reach out to Wendy, um, uh, Ober Sports as well. A couple of these guys, uh, so just people are busy. It's, you know, so birthdays and weddings and different things going on. So it's a rough time of the year. So if you're celebrating any of those things, I, you know, wish you, wish you all the best at this time. And, uh, I'd like to tell you that first off, this show is available on Twitter. You can follow the show itself at Scotty Johnny pod. You could follow me at not so humble host and, Whoever you're trying to look for as well, you may as well try to get Cheddar Talk. That's at Cheddar Talk. That's Aaron. And uh, give him a little follow and see what he's up to throughout time and uh, how we're doing. Uh, we'll always have the podcast available on all three of those every week. So you can always find us and find out the other things we're doing, including you know different articles I've been writing or articles written by friends of the show, like Paul Noonan or Wendy uh, or well, Wendy Hansen, that is, or... Um, Andy Herman doing any of the number of things he does, uh, just and, uh, Jim Widener, all those things. So uh, check those out, follow us out there, and continue to listen, of course. And while you're listening, you know, take a moment, maybe pause it right now, uh, or wait till it finished, then pause it. Go over Apple uh, Podcasts, give us a five-star rating. Wherever you're listening, you know, give us a five-star rating. Give us those, those things that help other people to find this podcast and to enjoy the things that we do on this podcast. So uh, we always appreciate that. So, you know, now pause and go do that. It will be right here when you're ready. Anyhow, um, been a fairly mundane week and that we are in the sports abyss as Aaron routinely calls this. Uh, we, I did have personally the opportunity to go watch a 10 year old soccer tournament uh, for my daughter out in Appleton and also spent the weekend with uh, several of my classmates from uh, Pacelli class of 98 and uh, seeing a lot of those people. And it was a lot of fun. So uh, it was great seeing even a couple of people I haven't seen in, you know, 25 years. Uh, and several people I just haven't seen in five years and several people I saw just a little bit ago. So <laughs> either way, it's always good to see uh, friendly faces, uh, catch up with people we haven't seen in a while. So Take your time this summer and do all those things. And uh, with that, I guess we'll get rolling into what we like to call our main event. Starting things off with the main event. As I said, the main event will be Brewers. And right now the Brewers are playing the Mets uh, as I record. Uh, it's not going well, we'll say. It's... Uh, it has not been that game, but the Brewers coming into this game were seven of their last ten, so seven to three in their last ten, and uh, you know that's 
that that's a good stretch. If you can keep doing that every 10 games, you're going to be in a good space. So it was just, it's nice to see them getting a little bit of a feel of things. They've had a couple come from behind wins. They've had a couple that have gotten away from them. Um, kind of going through the week, we, we talked about this would be the hard stretch with having uh, Arizona out there. Arizona has been playing great. Uh, and, and oddly, they, they have also roughly the same kind of salary cap that the Brewers are at right now. And I suppose cap is always the wrong word. The same salary. Because there's no cap, there's no bottom, there's nothing. Uh, baseball's the wild, wild west in that regard. Uh, playing Arizona, yeah, they were playing at roughly the same... They, they have basically the same kind of salary. They're the same kind of idea. These two teams, like like Arizona kind of bottomed out the other year. So they, they kind of were, were not a good team just a year, two years ago. And they've kind of hit their stride with a bunch of these young guys that they, they've got in there. Um, looking at like they've got a whole bunch of young kids. They like Corbin Corral uh, or Carroll, pardon me, Corbin Carroll. He's 22. Geraldo Perdomo, 23. Uh, Ketel Marte, uh, Alec Thomas, their center fielder, he's 23, and that kid's got a glove, uh, and he moves out there. He he is fantastic to watch in that outfield. That dude can play. Um, so yeah, they got a very young team, and then a couple key, you know, um, just guys in in key spots who are veterans. Uh, having, um, uh, uh, <laughs> we get the third baseman. Uh, Aaron Longoria out there, Evan Longoria out there, and uh, just having a couple guys like that who can tone things down, keep the the things you know the emotions from getting too high, and they're doing what the Brewers would like to be doing, but they're doing it in a West that's rough, and they're doing it very very well. I mean that's a that's a good division, and they're on top of that. So the Brewers got what you hoped would be a good start. Because they got to throw Burns out there right away to start things off, and 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 Burns gets shelled for six runs in the first inning. All right, I mean just just gets hit, just nothing he can do. It it becomes a nine to one loss. Tuesday they get down four nothing in the bottom of the going into the bottom of the second. So in the first two innings, it's you know it's one run in the first, three runs in the second. It's four nothing. Um, that's Colin Ray coming in. He he struggled in that game a little bit, but then calmed down. Uh, and the Brewers had. Uh, a four-run seventh to get up ahead, and uh, you know a couple things that worked well here. Uh, Winker, when they're down uh, four to one, Winker gets the two-run home run, finally getting something done. He uh, he gets that shot and and makes it more of a game again. Uh, and, and he's somebody who was somebody they went out and got this year, and he has not produced, and he's been injured. I mean that's that's a fact. He's obviously been injured. He just has not gotten the Brewers kind of what they'd hope they'd get out of a guy like that. But he gets something done here. Uh, one of the other things that helped is, you know, Kettle Marte, uh, one of the guys I talked about, those good young feelers. I mean, he he went out there and gave them a home run right away and got them a quick lead. Uh, but he had a couple really weird errors in the field, like turned and looked at second and took so long that by the time he came back to first, uh, he couldn't catch um uh, Singleton there, and it's just like, well, what? Uh, and then Singleton gets a second on a play, and Marte just completely, just bafflingly missed. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like the the team found a way to win there. They kept working hard, and then a couple breaks went their way, and they were able to get the win. Wednesday they got out to one nothing uh, lead. They held that lead all the way into the sixth, and then um, they ended up giving up a couple just just giving up a couple all quickly 
ended up losing five to one. The one run was actually uh, Tapia. Uh, and that's, that's the thing we talked about last week. Like Tapia was getting monster shots. Just everything was landing a foot or two away from the wall. And he finally got his home run. Um, Brewers had a little, little rally in the seventh inning. I uh, got going and then Owen Miller grounded into a double play that uh, killed that seventh inning chance and kind of, you know, kind of was the last chance the Brewers had getting some guys going there. So uh, they lose two out of three there. But like I said, uh, this is a good team, a good young team. Uh, this is exactly what the Brewers are hoping they can be. Uh, so that's that's a rough one to see. But losing two out of three to Arizona, they bounce back and win two out of three against Cleveland. Now, Cleveland has a losing record. This is a team that spends right now, I think, less than the Brewers, but also is a losing record as compared to Brewers' winning record. Uh, and the Brewers have actually fairly recently been decent on the road. They've had a couple different wins, or at least not looked so bad out there. Uh, and this one, they, they jump out on Friday to a 7-0 lead. Uh, this was really a Willie Adamas game. Uh, he hits two home runs, gets a was he four or five uh, home. Uh, there was a five run six inning, which was started off by Adamas getting him rolling. Uh, he then got his uh, three run home run later on. Or he, I'm sorry, that one was in the fifth, the sixth inning. Uh, then he had a second home run later on in the ninth. Uh, so he has 12 home runs in the year now. Uh, and even though he missed some time with the concussion, he's right there in the you know, the chase for the lead here, especially since Tellez hasn't done anything for quite a while. Wadley gets another good start. His ERA is down to a 2.91. He's looked very good being in here. Uh, Strzelecki allows the only run on a, a home run shot. Uh, Strzelecki's kind of that guy who's, he's either lights out or he's he's just going to shaky. And it's, it's kind of, you don't know which one of them you're getting that day. He's not a, I mean, they've, they've been using him a lot. And it has mixed results, we'll say. Uh, Bush came back in. Uh, he gets the uh, he handled the ninth inning, scoreless ninth inning, so he looked good there. Uh, Miley got through six, got the quality start on just 67 pitches through the sixth. So um, it, it's nice to see. Saturday they started off well. They get up two nothing uh, through three innings, and then Cleveland gets one in the fourth inning and two more in the sixth. And they they get up uh, three to two, and and at that point actually, uh, the shadows in that ballpark, which progressive field, which used to be the old uh, Jacobs Field and all that, uh, the shadows are right at the plate. So that ball is going from light to dark, partway through the rotation, and it's just not, I don't know, not not as it, it's a hard thing to hit at that time of day, uh, being down at that point. Was, was a hard thing for especially a road team with, you know, those type of lighting situations. So they, they just were not – and, yes, that's an excuse because the Brewers generally don't hit very well anyhow this year. So not saying they would have come back, but it did make it a little bit harder on them. You kind of felt like they were, they were done at that point, and they've battled back pretty well in the last several weeks now, that finding themselves a little bit better. But still, this one was just one they didn't get – uh, Peralta only gets them five innings pitched, uh, gives up three runs in those five innings, and uh, does it on 98 pitches. So he takes the loss here. Uh, the Brewers only had one earned run that they got. Uh, Yelich scored the first run of the game. It was on an error. Uh, so it was 
it was a weird one. He goes from second to home uh, on just a, a weird play. The, the right fielder just absolutely has the glove right there and just, like, it's right in front of him. It's coming in at him. Glove almost chest level. If he drops it another three inches, it's just an out. But he, he misses it entirely, and it just goes straight to the wall. Um, so that was that was interesting. That was on a Rowdy Tellas line drive into right. Uh, that really just should have been an out. Um, but then, you know, Yelich had some fielding issues of his own. He had his first error of the year. He had a couple little bobbles uh, in this game, one of which was an error, one of which wasn't, but still a couple little things there that uh, hurt the team. They uh, they give up a late run as well to make it a 4-2 to two loss. But Sunday they come right back, um, give up a run in the first inning. Uh, Naylor hits a home run. Uh, then Yelich, Miller, and Tellez all drive in RBIs in the third. Or I'm sorry, in the second for a three-run second inning. Uh, Weimer gets a sacrifice fly in the fourth, and it's four to one. Now uh, they enter the sixth inning, four to one, and uh, Burns was around 80 pitches starting off that inning. All right, uh, there's a triple, and then there's a wild pitch, uh, and there's a you know another hit in there, and it's uh, four to three. Uh, then, then, uh, then he actually he ends up giving a couple of more hits and it becomes four to four. That sixth inning, uh, Burns just kind of fell apart right at the end. I mean, he got to eighty pitches, and uh, just I mean that inning was all he could take. Uh, he only lasted five and two thirds. Gives up the four earned runs, uh, only three strikeouts. His ERA now because of that uh, that the bad one, the sixth run first inning against Arizona. And then this uh, four runs in five and two-thirds, his ERA is back up to 4.10. So as angry as everybody was with the Brewers when they didn't give him the extra, I don't know, couple hundred thousand. I mean, it was not a, a big gap. Like, they basically gave him what he was asking for, and he insisted on getting exactly what he was asking for, which is his right. He gets to do that. And um, the Brewers said, yeah, there's a couple problems we've seen in his game. And it turns out everybody saw those. Like, the Brewers were not alone. And, uh, yeah, it has not been his year. This is the worst year he's he's had since he's kind of found himself after that rough stretch early on when he was coming out of the bullpen. But, uh, yeah, tough game. But still, uh, Milner comes in, finishes out the six. Piamps comes in, gives him two good innings. Uh, Williams gives him one. And then Peguero gets the, uh, the save at the end. So that was you know, that was nice. Miller uh, drives one that was almost a home run in the 10th. Like, uh, runner on second, obviously, started off. Miller drives a ball that hits the top. They even review it to see if it actually hit over the wall and came back in. But it, it was a double. Uh, but drives it. It was a, it was a high 95-mile-per-hour fastball. Uh, and he just – and he got around on it and took it up and took it deep. So uh, it was a good hit. Got them going. Piguero came into the, in the tenth, gets two strikeouts, gives up no hits, uh, gets that save. Yeah, um, got some early leads on a couple decent starters in Cleveland. That's you know something obviously there. But the biggest things we've got going is Adamas has looked really good of late. Uh, Yelich has looked really good of late. The biggest problems are Burns doesn't give us anything most of the time. Every now and then he comes in and looks like Burns that we knew, but this year. I mean, ERA of 4.1. It's just terrible. Um, we're getting Peralta is is iffy. He's in every other start. He looks good. And then the ever you know the other ones, then he, he looks really shaky. So we've been relying on Colin Ray uh, and 
and uh, Tehran, and uh, you know, just yeah, that, this is kind of where we're going. Tehran's been the best starter, and I mean, he got shelled today by the Mets. Uh, he gets today against the Mets. Uh, he goes hitless through three, which of course then they talk about it's a. I think he got to twenty scoreless innings or something like that. Uh, and, and of course they mentioned that and he gives up two home runs that inning and uh, they get down quickly in that one in the fourth uh, ends up being a seven to two loss here on Tuesday after they got the, the uh, unenthusiastic two to one win the other day with uh, Weimer getting this, the two run shot to take the lead from one, nothing to two, one. And then that's your final score. And that one actually Colin Ray came out and pitched a fantastic game. Uh, he had struggles with the, the game against Arizona, but a lot of people do. That Arizona team, they can hit up and down that order, and they got a lot of guys, and they're excited. Um, and getting them in Arizona is obviously a rough spot too. So it's like, um, I don't know. It's it, it, it's just one of these things where like we need Tellez to start doing something. He has picked up hitting a little bit more. I, I almost just wish he had swing and miss more. Uh, one of the things he's been doing this year is he's swinging way less at pitches being far more selective, but he's not hitting then. Uh, he was doing well for a while with that strategy, but it is not working. And so I think at this point, the, the hitting coach should get out there and tell him, get the bat off your shoulder. If you miss, you miss, but you got to start driving the ball somewhere and you got to get those swings in because he's just, he, he's not driving with any power. He hasn't hit a home run in a while now. It has been a long drought. He has not played what, what he could be. Um, this has been rough for him there. Biggest problems here, I think, right now with this team. Tella's not hitting uh, and, and not getting anything out of, of Burns. I mean, we're still missing Woodruff for a little bit here, but uh, we've been leaning very heavily on Tehran and, um, and like I said, Ray and Miley. And those three have been the ones kind of keeping the Brewers afloat in terms of the starting pitching. Um, the back end of the, you know, the bullpen has been pretty decent. I think in the last month, they've actually been very good. Like I said, Strzelecki has been kind of hit or miss. Piamps has been nice, especially if you can go a couple innings there. Uh, Williams has been phenomenal. It's been nice having someone like um, Peguero in there as well. Getting Bush back and healthy has, has bolstered that bullpen. And they've been running low on that bullpen, you know, kind of running what they say today, they were talking about, they're only going seven out there. So it's, it's, they're leaning heavily on several guys. Uh, I mean, Strzelecki and Piamps are, are in there all the time. So that's one where it's like finding a couple people to kind of do those other little things here and there, pick up an inning. Uh, a lot, obviously it would be a lot easier to, uh, let your bullpen go out there with, you know, more of a lead because they've had to do this. They, they've got so many one run games and they got a decent record in those one run games, but they just, you're putting a ton of pressure on these guys. Every time they're out there, they are, they are, you know, win or die uh, because they're not giving them any sort of cushion to play with. Not nearly enough. Uh, so it would be good if they could get that going. And uh, just those are the big things we can get through some of the starting pitching issues and then trying to find a way to get some of these other bats. Weimer's been really up or down. We got to find a way to get something out of second base position, uh, whether it's Urias or uh, Terang or whatever, uh, Miller or whoever gets out there. We're not getting enough out of that position. 
Uh, we've been playing, you know, Singleton and Miller over at first every now and then trying to give Tellus some time off. I don't know if he needs more time off or what he's got to do to get going, but they really need Tellus hitting if they want to get anything going here. The biggest thing, though, I think I want to say about this Brewers team is remembering who they are and what I said at the beginning of the year. And I have to keep reminding myself of that because this team is young. Uh, and I said, keep uh, having some kind of a moderate mindset about what this team can be and what they can do and being excited if they can be around 500. All right. And I said that at the beginning of the year and I need to tell myself to remember that because you know, coming into today, the they were half game up on the Reds again. You know, like they just moved slightly past them again. And this is, you know, this is not a team that should win a division. This is not a team that should be in the playoffs, but they're hanging around and staying above 500. And this is even with, you know, injuries to Ashby and Mitchell. And we, we, we've gone time without Adamus and we've, we're, you know, yeah. Um, and obviously Woodruff we've talked about too. So if we had some of that ability to have all those guys there, you'd feel a little differently. I'd feel a little bit more upbeat about it, but we are missing several guys. Uh, Freilich, I guess, is starting to take swings again down AAA. Uh, he's a guy who might be up in July, maybe August. Maybe the Brewers will see where they are uh, by August and then see if they want to wait till September to do the call-ups like that and uh, kind of save themselves some time there. I don't know what they'll do, but it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, Chario is still in double A, and we'll see if they ever start moving him off the triple. They've, they've definitely got a plan to work through him and see what, uh, you know, build him up as he goes. Uh, but yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they kind of roll through the rest of the season and then what it'll mean for next year. And, you know, will they trade Burns? What is Burns even worth for a trade at this point? At this point, going in arbitration is going to be fairly easy with a Brewers team saying like, well, you weren't actually good this year. Um, Do you want to have a prove it kind of contract? And then, you know, maybe trade him through that year or see how he goes that year or just play him through the end of the year and let him go. We'll see how it goes. But I mean, like, I don't know how things, and I forget if he does have another arbitration year off the top of my head. I thought he had one more, but I could be wrong. This might be the end of it. Either way, uh, I don't think he's going to be demanding as much as he'd like uh, with the way this season is going. And I don't know, maybe hearing from the Brewers that there are problems in your game caused him to focus on how many things he's doing wrong, or maybe he's that fragile, but I don't think he is. Because Corbin Burns worked back from being dead, from being chased out of this league and having the fans think he was terrible. I mean, it was like um, Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams had a rough uh, sophomore year with the Packers, as I say, you know, a second year where uh, he had some injuries and he still kind of fought through it and had some drops that year. And everyone's like, well, he's a bum. He's terrible. And they said it everywhere. Uh, Every place you could find anybody talking about the Packers, Packers fans were saying horrible things about Devontae Adams and how he needed to be, be cut. Just cut. Not traded, cut. Um, and maybe, you know, I mean, quite honestly, that's how people were talking about Corbin Burns uh, when he had his early struggles. But he went down, fixed a couple things, and came back and is dominant. Has been a dominant, uh, just, just a dominant pitcher. He, he has the Cy Young, obviously. He had two more years where he was in that Cy Young discussion. And it... I don't think it's that he's fragile or that he's thinking too much about those things because he obviously has already worked through a lot of that stuff. 
but still something's wrong in his game. I don't know if he's got an injury he's not bothering to tell anybody about because he wants to fight through it and prove somebody wrong or he's got that chip on his shoulder thing or something, but there's something wrong with Burns and we need to kind of get through that. Uh, road trips are going to continue for the Brewers, though, coming up. They'll get the, the finish up with the Mets here tomorrow, which is Wednesday here, and then the Pirates, and they'll come back home for the Cubs and Reds before they head to the All-Star break. So Pirates, Cubs, and Reds are games they should you know be in. Uh, they should be able to hang with the Mets as well. These are these are four winnable series, basically. So the Brewers got a rubber match on Wednesday against the Mets, and then uh, come back with uh, in Pittsburgh, and then come back to Milwaukee for the Cubs and Reds. All right. The um, the only other things really like I wanted to get some more stuff on Badger recruiting, mostly because there's been some discussion recently uh, within the fan base about this. Um. So just kind of roughly 32 recruits did official visits uh, this last couple of weeks here. Uh, 22 of those 32 were four-star recruits. They have eight verbal commits out of this. The current 2024 class ranks 23rd on 24-7, 23rd on on three, and 20th on rivals. Um, it looks also like Wisconsin has some very clear ideas on increasing pipelines in Illinois and Pennsylvania. Uh, and then maintaining or increasing uh, some in their their Ohio context as well. They, they've always spent some time recruiting Ohio, and I don't know that you can be particularly relevant to the Big Ten if you don't recruit Ohio. So uh, getting a guy who obviously took uh, Cincinnati to the college football playoff, you know, an Ohio recruiter uh, who is from Ohio State and coached at Ohio State and was for a year their interim head coach, everything. He knows recruiting Ohio as well, so that's been interesting. Uh, Pennsylvania is one of the big ones they're going into. Uh, they pulled in two different four-star linemen, Ryan Corey and Kevin Hayward, both four-star linemen out of Pennsylvania. Uh, adding on to that, a couple other guys here. I'm just trying to think where we got some of these other names. There's a four-star coming up right now who's another Ohio, uh, pardon me, Pennsylvania guy, uh, Omilio Agard. And I'm going to say Asgard because I read too much Marvel and Norse mythology, but uh, Emilio Agard, he's a four-star defensive back out of Pennsylvania. So it's a clear strategy by the Badgers to go out and do this. But the big thing that people have been really focusing in on is things like, oh no, we just lost uh, a couple guys. Uh, we lost, where is it? Uh, Nathan Roy, an offensive lineman from McGuanago. Uh, he's going to Minnesota. He was the top recruit in Wisconsin, uh, and now he's going to be the best recruit in Minnesota's class, like the best player they had. Wouldn't have been the best player we had. We already have several four-star linemen. Um, he's good. It would been nice to have all of them, you know, get, get everybody, but um, it, it looks like they've just kind of been retooling for what they had because they already had several really good offensive linemen in this class. And it, it maybe wasn't going to be something where he was going to fit as well. Whereas if he goes to Minnesota, he had a, a much better chance of starting. So the couple things that people are getting worried on is they dropped, uh, like the Badgers with, withdrew three different in-state um, offers. And the concern is the saying, well, you know, is, is Fickle losing the high school coaches? Is he doing all the wrong things? Is he is he losing these guys? Are we not going to have the best players in Wisconsin? And there's a couple of responses. Uh, one is the 2023 class is really good. 
and they're not even done with this. Um, what they're talking about right now, uh, they might be adding Mike Mack the second out of Air Force. He's a six foot, one hundred eighty pound cornerback. Uh, uh, he was a preseason All Mountain West, and uh, he's down to three schools right now. Transfer portal kid. Um, he's got UW, Oregon State, and NC State are the teams he's talking about. So they still could be adding more significant depth in the cornerback position, which is already kind of a good room that they've they've started putting together with guys they've pulled in. But I mean, that was not a good room that they inherited. Uh, but they did spend 2023 going out and getting several different players. Uh, they've hit the portal pretty hard, and they've also, you know, gone in and gotten some of the players they were already going to bring in Cincinnati to come over here now. So it was a large, good 2023 class. And the problem is also seeing where was the spot where they were going to fit some of these guys in that 2024 class. So several of these players basically are looking at what's the year ahead of them and saying, I'm going to be sitting behind a couple of these guys. I could go to Minnesota and start much faster because they don't have as much in the cupboard and the recruiting class isn't looking quite as strong. Uh, so those are some of the things that, that we're really looking at is that some of the problem is, yes, uh, Chris didn't do those things before. It has cost him in trying to build up those relationships. Fickle has been very active in coaching and recruiting in-state, going out and talking to all these guys, getting there. If you, you can't help but notice that he gets to everything. He is just high speed, and they are kind of going into a dead period where they're, they're not going to be talking to people for a bit because they're not allowed to. But... Uh, he has been out there doing those things. Uh, the other thing is, like we said, he he is adding pipelines for the state. The initial plan, he said, was a 300-mile radius all right, from there to try to go out to. But he's actually, I guess, increased that to 350 miles. But you start talking about the added pipeline to Pennsylvania. Then we start seeing that they are, um, you know, they're looking further afield than that and getting some of these other guys. Um I mentioned that Emilio Agard, uh, he's actually planning to announce his commitment on July 1st. That's the next big wait that UW has. Four-star defensive back. Uh, so July 1st is going to be big information on him. Hopefully it's us. Uh, right now, uh, 24-7 and rivals have the crystal ball saying that uh, Agard's most likely to pick Wisconsin. Uh, there's a couple other ones here that Wisconsin seems to have the lead on where they're going to be making their calls in the next couple of days. Uh, the 28th, which might be the day that you're listening to this, June 28th, Coy Beasley is a defensive back. He's going to make his announcement. Dominic Kirks, a uh, defensive lineman, on June 30th. Kaj, K-A-J, Sanders, uh, a safety, on July 8th. And then Anelu Lafale, uh, who's an outside linebacker, he'll be announcing on the 11th of July. So those are some of the guys uh, and some of the dates to look for here. Uh, all five of those names, like I said, the, they've been crystal balled, as they say, out to Wisconsin or projected as Wisconsin recruits. So, you know, go follow those guys. They're available on, on Twitter. Go go check those out. Uh, the Badger recruiting uh, page on Twitter is also a very good spot for catching some of these things as well. But, yeah, it's... um. There's plenty going on there. Uh, Badgers actually added their first commitment for the class of 2025 this week. This is how this is how how much we're in the sports abyss. I'm going to tell you about the first commitment from the class of 2025. At this point, uh, he's a quarterback. I mean, you, you're looking at this. You have to say, 
Fickle wants to flood that quarterback room, right? Like he wants to take in a bunch of guys. He's, I mean, he's got Mordecai, uh, Tyler Mordecai, who, who's coming in. They brought him in from SMU. They're going to bring in uh, Mar- Matower, who's going to be here in the next year or so. He's, he's in next year's class. And then after that, we have Landon Locke, whose brother is on UW. He's a he's a quarterback as, at this point, and he's I think he's six six something like that. He's he's a big dude, good arm. Um, watch some film of him throwing going the other way, like rolling out to his left as a right-handed arm, and being able to wing that thing to players on the sideline on a dime. He's got some some good arm skill. Uh, I haven't watched full games on him at this point, but he's got some good arm skill and he's got you know some ability. So it'll be interesting to see how they bring him along. Uh, that's a 2025 guy, though, okay? And he's already committed to Wisconsin. That's a little ways out, but that's a nice get to start things off. Um, just trying to look at this. One of the other things I've seen, too, uh, good, good takes that I've looked at, is that it's been good for the wide receiver recruiting, although the Badgers have only added one key wide receiver uh, other than transfer portal um, so far uh, in the next year's class. And it did lose one to Michigan just recently, but getting into these camps where if you don't know this um, high school players go to several camps frequently, like good ones or you know anyone who can, they go to local camps, which meaning like uh, I did this with my son. Uh, we went to Badger camp. We've gone to the Nebraska camp, uh, which is, you just pay, you get a shirt, you go out there, you work with the players and the coaches. Uh, sometimes they find guys specifically just at these camps, and it gives you the opportunity to see this. But the other thing, too, is guys who are already coming into the program or are, are highly interested in it come out to the camp and see the other guys who are looking. And when you start saying, like, we're going to get these camps, and if we get, um, you know, Landon Locke coming out there and throwing him a tower out there next year, throwing at these camps, just, just out there practicing these one day camps and wide receivers come in and they're like, Holy cow, look at the quarterback, you know, arm talent that's coming into these camps. These guys are already coming here. This is going to be worth it for me. This is going to be worth it for me to look at. Uh, that's going to be one of the bigger things that's going to help get wide receivers is start getting the arm talent in there. And then say, like, you want to showcase what you can do? If you're open, you're going to get hit with the ball. And we're going to make, you know, you're going to make your yardage. You're going to make your touchdowns. You're going to make your name for yourself here in the Big Ten, uh, playing here and where you got a really good chance of winning the West. Uh, I think Nebraska is going to be good in the next coming years, too, because I think that their, their recruiting has been going well. Uh, they got a guy who's a real college coach over there now. Um, uh, I think that this is just going to continue, meaning that Fickle will never, in fact, win the West because I think Nebraska is going to start growing here. Iowa is going to continue being better than Minnesota. Uh, we'll see what Illinois does. They had that one good year last year, but they lost a bunch of talent this year. Uh, Wisconsin's going to be in play for it again. We'll see how this all goes this year. But that's kind of a rundown of where we are in a bunch of the stuff that we're doing with the uh, Wisconsin recruiting right now and uh, where this team lives. So that's, gosh, it is the sports abyss because that's really all there is. Uh, Packer camps aren't going on right now. The owner's meeting has been announced uh, July 24th, starting at 11 o'clock. We'll let you know how that goes. Uh, We'll get someone on the inside for that. And uh, we'll tell you about how the, uh, how the uh, owner's meeting goes. It's, 
it's not normally groundbreaking stuff, but it's, it is a cool event. If you've never been, find a ticket holder. They can bring up to, I think it's four guests. It might be three. Three or four guests can go with a uh, somebody who is a shareholder. Okay, So if you know a shareholder, they have gotten an email telling them to vote by proxy for the board members. If anyone doesn't understand this, a share of stock allows you to vote on who is on the board and run the team. It is an ownership interest that allows you to vote on the people who do the day-to-day operations. The board will pick the president and then so on and so forth, things like that. So it is, in fact, legally entirely and actually a share of stock. Um, anybody who tries to argue with you that because it's not in the stock market, it's not stock, doesn't actually know what stock is and thinks stock is just a gambling thing. Stock is a share of ownership. And by the way, to sell the Packers and move them, they would have to get permission from all of the Packers owners or, you know, so that's how it would go. And they would actually have to vote on it. So that's why it's important and why it matters and why all the people who you have friends with from other fan bases who tell you it's a fake piece of paper. No, it's, it's an actual share of stock legally, entirely legally a share of stock. And what entitles those owners to do is go to the annual meeting because every corporation has to have an annual meeting where the shareholders vote on these key issues. So there's a proxy vote. Most people have already voted before they arrive. Um, and, They'll usually just vote for the people who are recommended for the board. The board of directors will then pick the people who will help run the team. And uh, they will meet a couple times a year to talk about what goes on with the team. So that's going to happen. And then they'll also release their financials and they'll go over what's going on in the field. Uh, several questions get to be allowed to be asked by owners of management groups. And so it's it's an interesting time. It is the largest outdoor ownership uh, meeting, annual meeting in the world. So it's always a good time. And usually they let you see whatever new things have been doing. We'll see the new scoreboards, I'm sure. Uh, So that'll be interesting to see as well. But that really is all the news that we have in terms of our major sports. So with that, we will turn everything over and finish up quickly with the part of our show that we lovingly call Our Last Call. Time to look around and get your bearings. It's time for the last call. All right, last call, like it has been for the last several weeks, is going to be about the Northwoods League because we don't have really any college sports or other things here. Uh, like we've told you before, uh, Northwoods League is four divisions. The one that is made up entirely of Wisconsin teams is the Great Lakes West. Great Lakes East has one Wisconsin team and then a bunch of Michigan teams. We'll get to that in a second. But the Great Lakes West right now is uh, we've got the Green Bay Rockers and the Wausau Woodchucks tied at 16 and 12. At 15 and 12, just behind that, the Madison Mallards and Wisconsin Rapids Rafters. And then Lakeshore Chinooks, uh, who play in Mequon at 11 and 16. And then Fond du Lac Dock Spiders, who we love, uh, 9 and 19. Over last week, Uh, Green Bay played uh, Lakeshore. They swept them uh, in two games. Uh, Then they lost to Rapids and then got swept by the Mallards in Madison and then split with Kenosha. So they went three and four this week. Uh, Wausau went five and three to catch up with the Rockers. Uh, They had a split with Rapids and then swept Madison at home. And then they split with the Lakeshore Chinooks in in, uh, Mequon and then split with the Kokomo Jackrabbits in Kokomo. 
Uh, Mallards, again, falling down a little bit here this last week. They went 4-3, and three, so they couldn't keep pace with Wausau. Uh, they split a home-and-home home with Fond du Lac, and then they got uh, swept in Wausau. Then they swept Green Bay, and then they got an 18-5 win against the Traverse City Pit Spitters, which is such a fun name, but it is spitting cherry pits, so... Uh, Rapids, who was the uh, was a perennial powerhouse in this group, uh, they've won the last couple of years in this division. Uh, they split with Wausau, we heard, uh, split a doubleheader with Green Bay on Wednesday, uh, swept a home and home with Fond du Lac, and then split with the Battle Creek Jackrabbit. Or pardon me, not Jackrabbits. They're the Battle Jacks, which is like a super angry Jack Russell Terrier logo. Uh, Kenosha, they had a rough time. They uh, they swept Green Bay, and then. Uh, Got a win against Fond du Lac, but then they split with Wausau, and they got swept by Fond du Lac in a home-and-home. Fond du Lac had a three-game win streak, but then that got snapped. They got swept in a home-and-home series with uh, uh, Rapids, pardon me, Wisconsin Rapids, and then got swept in a home-and-home against Kenosha. So, yeah, as we are, Fond du Lac down there at 9-19. The Great Lakes East team that I mentioned, that's the Kenosha Kingfish. Uh, They're the only team out there. They are probably fourth out of six teams out there in the east uh they are 13 and 14 overall this week they split with the traverse city pit spitters they won two out of three against the uh, battle creek battle jacks and then split with green bay so uh, they just kind of hang down there towards the bottom of that one uh, in the great plains east there are actually two wisconsin teams uh, right now the eau claire express are 15 and 11 and uh this week they uh they tied they're tied with uh, the Thunder Bay Border Cats. Uh, they're tied, but not really because they've played two more games. The battle, the Border Cats are 14-10. and 10. This week they got split in a home-and-home home series with the Rochester Honkers, which are geese, and then a split with the Lacrosse Loggers. Uh, they sweep Rochester in a home-and-home, and, home, and then they swept the home-and-home with the Duluth Huskies. So they, they, they've maintained their uh, lacrosse, however, you know, with Eau Claire tied at the top, lacrosse is fifth out of the six teams out in the Great Plains East. They're 9-17. and 17. Uh, Like I said, I saw them when they were a brand-new team. They've had a couple good players out of there. They've won a couple good uh, divisions there. Uh, Max Scherzer pitched for the lacrosse loggers back in the day. Uh, this week they got swept by the Duluth Huskies at home. Then they split a home-and-home home series with Eau Claire, and then they played four games against Thunder Bay, and they split two and two, uh, all at all in lacrosse uh, down at Copeland Park against the Thunder Bay Border Cats. Um, the only things to say was looking at just overall stats, uh, team stats. Madison is fourth in overall batting average, batting two sixty two. In home runs, Green Bay is first overall in home runs. They have 23 home runs as a team. Madison has 17th, which is good enough for fifth. They have 17 home runs, good enough for fifth. Uh, Madison, though, is third in total runs scored. They've scored 177 runs this year already. Eau Claire is sixth with 165, and Wausau also tied at that 165 mark. Wisconsin Rapids leads in two key areas. Uh, in pitching, they lead in ERA with a 3.29. And they also lead in whip at a 1.29 whip. As far as ERA, uh, Wassa is sixth with a 4.16, and Madison is eighth with a 4.25. Uh, 
uh, on whip. Madison also places sixth with a 1.41 whip. Green Bay, however, does lead in total strikeouts this year. They have 261 strikeouts on the year. Uh, this is pitching strikeouts and not swinging strikeouts. Uh, Kenosha is third. They have uh, 240 strikeouts among their pitchers. And Rapids fifth with 236 strikeouts as a pitching organization. So that is pretty much it. That's about all I can fit into uh, the podcast for this week. So I'd like to thank you all for joining us again. Remember to go wherever it is you listen to your podcast. Please give us a review. Give the five-star review because it makes our podcast easier to find for other people looking for Wisconsin Sports Talk. Um, Obviously, it's more fun when we have Aaron here or when we have Wendy or Paul or Andy or Jim or any of the other people that we bring on here from time to time. But uh, this week it's just been me on a, on a little John solo. Uh, so I definitely appreciate having all of you with us from around Wisconsin, around the United States and around the world. Uh, I'd like to remind you to follow the show at Scotty Johnny pod. You can follow me at not so humble host and you can follow Aaron at cheddar talk. And remember whether you are on the town or on the go, it is always on Wisconsin. This has been the Scotty Johnny Podcast. Remember to find the boys on Twitter at ScottyJohnny1 or online at ScottyJohnny.com. Thanks for listening and on Wisconsin.